today on a terrifying episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. That was once the inspiration for the short-lived potato chip pizzeria. The chip that was supposed to taste like pizza, but rather tasted more like the crumbs from the waiter's boots at the local pizza hut. <laughs> what one family initially thought may be some sort of chemical poisoning turned out to be something very powerful from the other side, but nothing to do with the living. That story and much more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. And it is, and yeah, 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Call it 24-7. Share your real ghost stories with us. We'd love to hear them. And if you'd like access to our bonus episodes, we put a brand new one out every single week, jam-packed with some of our best ghost stories. Uh, There's now like 430-some of those now, I believe. Uh, Plus, there's the uh, advanced episodes, the archive of episodes, all of it commercial-free. Get all of that. When you become an EPP, an extra podcast person, as we call them, you can sign up through Apple Podcasts. In fact, try three days free there on our channel on Apple Podcasts. If you don't use Apple Podcasts, patreon.com slash real ghost stories is where you'll get the same content or directly at our website, ghostpodcast.com. It's Tony and Todd with you on today's episode of the program. What's going on? Two couple quick things. The first quick thing is those damn uh, pizza chips you were talking about were the worst. They were just horrible. Pizzerias is what they were called. And they had, it it was just, it was a weird texture to them to begin with. And I don't, I can't even really describe what that was. And then the seasoning that they put on there was just, it's like the, it was, it was the epitome of artificial pizza seasoning. (laughs) I think is the best way to put it. Yeah, it was like pizza in a bottle that they spread out. I think like the the texture was almost like it was supposed to be like pizza crust to a certain extent, mm-hmm. but it it just oh it was horrible. Yeah, they just, uh, and, and and I'm I'm a big lover of chips and anything you know salty and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And that stuff just was the worst. I remember I was really excited to get it. My mom because we my mom never bought the individual bags of anything. It would be you know the big bag, and then you put it in baggies into your lunch and you get a lot more you know more bags of chips that way uh i remember getting that all uh in my lunch excited to eat it and then like biting into it like going oh my god but the the good thing is at that point in time nobody knew how bad they were and the people were excited for it so i was able to trade a lot at lunch for other things that were really good and they thought they were going to get something delicious and new and it was you know i think the consensus was they sucked which is why they're not around anymore <laughs> this from the guy who ate flaming Cheetos every day of his life. <laughs> and you know what? I still talk about that. Okay. So Todd's talking about uh, when I would go to the radio station after school uh, and he was doing the afternoon show, I would stop by the gas station or sometimes you and me would go and walk to the gas station and get, I get a diet Pepsi. I think you got a diet Pepsi too. And then uh, I would get a bag of flaming hot Cheetos. And they were hard to come by back then. It was this one gas station in one part of town on this one shelf that had them. That was it. It wasn't like everything is flaming hot now. 
And um, yeah, it was a struggle. It was a struggle to get those flaming hot chips. And those things are just, I think about them and I just thinking about them gives me heartburn right now. They and, were good, but you yeah. had them every day of your life. I did. And then I would get like the, the red uh, stuff on my fingers and I'd be touching the microphone <laughs> and the board. So they'd be like Cheeto shit all over the studio. <laughs> and then I get the Todd, could you please talk to Tony about the, the Cheeto shit on the microphone? There is so many things like that. Uh, can you talk to Tony about chewing the pens? Um, that's <laughs> <laughs> every pen had no top in it and it was just chewed apart. Eventually we had a coffee cup that held the pens and it just said, uh, Tony's chew toys. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And I, that's I, right. I, I believe I, I came back to the station like 10 years after and, you know, just visiting and uh, going to the studio. And I think it was still there and it still said Tony's Chew Toys on it. Probably still had some of the same pens in there that Probably. nobody else touched ever like, again. Oh, my favorite red ones right there. And I just picked it up like it was the other day and just started gnawing away. Uh, but true story. True story. Crazy uh, stuff. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us, let's go to our first story. It says, hello, Tony. My name is Maritza. I'm 48 years old. I've been a longtime fan of your channel. I've been hesitant to share my stories after getting burned by another YouTube channel. I grew up in a home in Aurora, Illinois, single family home where every inch of the home was put to good use since my father was clumsy, but very handy with tools. He turned the home from a two bedroom to a five bedroom home, making use of the entire attic and basement for my parents and seven children. I remember always feeling as if someone was about to touch me whenever I was alone in different areas of the home. It was in a bad area of town, so my mother always had very thick curtains up in every room. So any sunlight you'd get, you'd have to peel the curtains back or twist the blinds open. One of the earliest incidents I recall was sitting on the cool basement floor on a hot summer day with my brother playing with a tinker toy set. We're the youngest and we're very close. My father was fixing the basement restroom so we'd have a second shower and it was sunny. The windows were open. I remember my dad walking around us to get to the bathroom. He was working on the plumbing. Out of the blue, my younger brother looked at me sharply and he asked me to stop saying his name. I looked at him. And in the eyes, stated that I had not been saying his name. Thinking he was being silly, suddenly at that moment, we both heard a young female voice saying his name. Our lips hadn't moved. We were looking right at each other. Our eyes grew wide, and we ran up the stairs and outside. We didn't bring it up again for a long time. I remember hating to be in that basement alone, especially at night. There were times that I felt cold and weak, a matter of minutes. Sort of like you do if your blood sugar drops from missing a meal or two. Fear would make my hair stand on end. The thought of dying would grip me if I stayed down there too long, so I'd get upstairs as quickly as possible, and the feeling would then pass. I wonder now if my father also felt these feelings, because I remember him testing the home, especially the basement frequently with radon tests, putting up carbon monoxide detectors around the house. He even tested for mold. He has OCD and he tests the house religiously, especially the basement. Everything always came back as normal. Thinking back, it was unusual for anyone to test so often. Me and my brother used to have to play light tag if we were the last ones up at night. We'd take turns who would run to the next room in the dark to turn off the light. 
the other could turn off the light in the previous room and so on until we reached our bedrooms upstairs. Being the second person was horrifying. It always felt as if something dark and cold was chasing us, just about to grab us in the dark. I suffered horrible nightmares on a regular basis. Eventually, I was afraid to go to sleep at night. My parents, who were very religious and involved in our local church, had to start praying with me before bed and blessing my room with holy water. I became a chronic insomniac at 13 years of age. The worst was lying in bed, trying to sleep, but feeling as if my bed had been lifted up a few inches. Freezing in terror, I'd cover my head with my covers for the rest of the night. Heaven forbid the feeling of having to go to the restroom struck. I'll hold it until I saw sunlight creep into my room. Any strange things happened in the home over the years. We never talked about any of it except for me and my younger brother. I guess out of fear that we'd sound crazy. At age 18, we moved out to a better neighborhood. We finally started talking and realized that most of us had experienced some sort of strange phenomena in the previous home. My father opened up but admitted that when he was working in the attic that he had found many empty semi and semi-empty bottles of alcohol stuffed in the rafters, along with what appeared to be the crumpled up underwear of a young boy or boys. He didn't want to scare my mother, so he just threw it all away and renovated the spaces into bedrooms without mentioning what he had found to anyone. That news freaked us all out. I'll leave you on that note. I look forward to sharing more stories with you. Take care. But what a lovely note to leave us on. Holy crap. I was just going to say that was one of the, uh, I don't want to say the craziest, but the wildest stories. Um, It's like a Dateline episode. Holy moly. They find that. I, gosh. Yeah. I mean, I'd start to wonder what was going on down there. The feeling of having your bed lifted off the ground just enough. I mean, that I can't even imagine what what freakiness that would be. When I was very little, I was so afraid that there would either be robbers or ghosts or something that mm-hmm. I would, even in the summer, and, you know, we were talking off the air about not having air conditioning growing up, but even in the summer, I would not open my window because I was afraid somebody would break in. So I spent just forever in in fear in my bed for, for months and years and all that kind of Sweating. stuff. Sweating. So, in the, with a fan and not having any air, <laughs> I, and I and I kept my and my door would stay open, yeah. and I could see down the hall to like the front door, and it's like you know. So okay, were you, I didn't sleep. Were you more afraid of robbers breaking in, or were you more afraid of a vampire from Salem's Lot floating up to your window? Well, come on, I mean that movie's pretty good <laughs> considering when it came out. I yeah, I think that pretty much scared me too. And my mom would always make us watch that stuff. Yeah, like my mom loved the scary stuff, so mm-hmm. it'd be bedtime. And we'd be watching Salem's Lot right before bed. So, <laughs> thanks, Mom. What could possibly go wrong? You know? <laughs> what could right? possibly go wrong? Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at uh, Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. We would love to hear them. Let me uh, jump over here and got a whole bunch of uh, new callers and calls that I pulled down this afternoon. This one got in just the other day. Hi. Hi, Real Ghost Stories Online. So my name is Rachel. I'm calling from Utah. Uh, for HIPAA reasons, I won't tell you where I work, but I'm a nurse. I used to be working, I used to work at a COVID unit, several COVID units, and we did experience a lot of deaths during this time. We did. There is actually one particular building that I used to go to that is completely haunted. Things that would happen would be, uh, and this would all be relatively 
late at night, so say between 1 and 4 o'clock in the morning, we would hear oxygen, the oxygen uh, that were connected to the wall, that were coming out of the wall, would turn off on on their own, excuse me, would turn on on their own. They would, and, and it doesn't matter, we would turn them back off. Later on, they would turn on back, they would turn on by themselves again. Uh, we would see the TVs would turn on by themselves. Um, there was one instance where one night I went and turned off every single TV, and there was one particular room. It was room 321, and that they had two TVs. I turned off both of them. I wasn't even out of the room, and then one of them turned right back on. And I was like, okay, I'll leave it on. Not a problem. And at first I thought, I started thinking, well, you know, this is just a malfunction or something. But as the months went on in COVID, we continued to work the COVID unit. Other staff members would tell me, oh, that room 321, we absolutely hate it because it's haunted. And we, you know, we keep putting things in there um, as a storage unit. So they won't admit any patients in there just because it is haunted. And so other staff members, what they would do is they would, the, they would close the doors, and these are heavy, heavy fireproof doors. They would close the doors and use it as a storage room, and then somehow the door would later on be open. There were other instances where other rooms, for example, with the same fireproof door, you can hear them opening and closing, and you'd go down the hall, and there's no one coming out of the rooms. As a matter of fact, we would tell our patients, you know, please do not exit your rooms unless you have to, and if you have to, um, know that you have to use, you know, hand sanitizer and you have to keep your mask on. Um, anyway, so we would have these patients. Some of them were very, very confused and they would come out of their rooms. There was one particular night where I had two ladies that kept wanting to go get ice cream. And, you know, again, they're very confused. And I would sit right next to their room just to make sure that they didn't elope. And there was one particular night where I was sitting not particularly outside of their room, but right out, right around the corner from their room. And I was just so busy. We had been slammed with a lot of new admits all in the middle of the night. And then I would hear their doors opening and closing. And I, actually, at one point, I was just so upset because I had redirected these patients so many times that I was actually starting to impede my, my computer work. And I was just like, I need what's going on. Like, I'm just going to go check it out. And so I got up from my seat went around the corner and there's no one, there's no one there. But I could have sworn that I heard feet dragging and feet walking and these doors opening and closing and slamming. And when they close, they really do slam. And so I kept thinking like, oh gosh, somebody just came out of their room and they're going to elope or whatever. And nobody, there was nobody. And later on, as I continued to work there, um, we would actually get stories like one patient in particular said they wanted to leave because they had been picked up from their bed and taken, I mean, not like by force in the sense of like they were pushed, but they were lifted up from their bed and floated over to the floor and put on the mat. And so, I mean, we were kind of thinking like, well, maybe this is this because she's confused. But then we got the exact same story from another male patient at a later time. So it wasn't even in the same time frame where it's like, okay, you know, maybe, you know, this person heard the story from the other person across the way. No, this is totally different time frame, totally different people. And they are both saying the same thing, that they're being lifted from their beds and put onto the mat. Later on, as I was talking to other employees, they actually said that the building, they had several deaths. I've had people, I mean, 
besides the fact that after it became um, a medical facility, they had several deaths that it used to be a movie uh, like a like an outdoor movie space, and that there was a man that had been run over. There was a little girl that had been run over across the hall. Um, excuse me, across the street from crossing the street near near that area. Um, and so they said that these these spirits still roam around the facility, even though they have nothing to do with the facility itself being a medical facility. And actually, um, I've had other people when I tell them, oh yeah, I work at this place. They they you know even before I get something out, they say, oh have you seen the lady in white? And I'm going, oh my gosh, and it's another lady in white story. But what I've actually heard is that these employees, some of them are core staff employees, and then some of them are just travel nurses or travel workers, and they'll say, well, they're on an entirely different non-COVID unit. There is a woman that roams the halls, and she's a white spirit, and you can see her as you're passing. There's a particular um, hallway, and it's usually very dark at night, maybe like one or two lights that actually illuminate it. And so you're walking, and you can see this woman coming in and out of the rooms, by the re- by the reflection of the glass doors at the end of each hall and yet there's nobody there as a matter of fact um, at one point one of the nurses thought it was a patient with a gown on and so she went to go get them thinking they had walked out of the glass door there was nobody there so um, just my personal experience though I haven't seen anything I haven't seen an actual spirit but I hear them I hear them all the time um, sometimes there's I can hear like there's people crying and there's nobody there and I've heard people like whispering, like like they're talking to each other. Again, there's nobody there. Um, that one night, the particular night where I kept hearing people shuffling in and out of the hallway, I I talked to somebody who he was a CNA, and he actually says he he can see them, and he's like, oh yeah, there's somebody down the hall, and they keep peeking around the corner, and I've already told them to leave us alone, but they keep peeking around the corner. He says it's a shadow figure. I never saw them, but we would just find things that were. Like the TVs would turn on, there would be wheelchairs. There was one wheelchair in particular, not one particular wheelchair, sorry, but there was one time where we had put a wheelchair right outside of a patient's room, um, and that wheelchair ended up way down the hall, and there was no air conditioning, no nothing, nothing like that. And even if with air conditioning, I mean, you'd have to be pretty strong air conditioning to blow a wheelchair down the hall, and we would just find things misplaced all the time. Um, we would mostly just hear things. I, in particular, would hear things. My other friend said that she was about to sit down on a, a rotating chair, and before she even got to the chair, the chair just started rotating on its own. So she was kind of like, okay, this is your space right now. I'll leave it alone and come back later on. And she also reported saying that she had seen people, that she had seen ghosts um, standing outside of the rooms in front of the nurses' stations, but she just said, I just ignore it, and I don't talk to them. And I have, other, I have other nursing staff that say, I hear them and I see them, but they don't scare me. So I just wanted to share my story. We did have a lot of COVID deaths there. I'm, you know, I'm hoping that none of those spirits that were COVID-related are still there, but I just wanted to share my story. So thank you, guys. Those are always some of the most interesting places to hear ghost stories from is I, I think the hospitals and, and things of that nature. Yeah. Health, health uh, centers and stuff like that always seem to have a ton. And I think a lot of people attribute that to death, obviously, like she had mentioned death and stuff like that. But I think, it, I think there's more to that. I think it's not just death, but 
there's pain and there's anguish and there's all sorts of stuff that goes on there. And, um, and so I'm not surprised when I hear stories about medical places with ghosts or energies and stuff like that. It just seems like it makes a ton of sense to me now. Another place, I, I was just thinking of places that have weird vibes to them. Uh, you ever go into uh, a mausoleum like building? Uh, there's the one I'm thinking of. I used to ride my bike out to it. It's that one out towards my parents' house uh, out there uh, on K and whatever that is. You know what I'm talking about? Um, I think so. Now are you talking about like the inside tombs and stuff yeah, like that where yeah, they put people? Yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of near Rianzi. It's the other cemetery down the road. Um, yes. where most of the gravestones aren't graves are just on the ground, but then they have the big mausoleum buildings. And there's one where there's a bunch of them that are outside, but there's this one where it's like three halls of bodies in the walls. And it's inside and there's a creepy little chapel in there and it's all red and it's really dark. Um, and I used to, as a kid, I'd go out there, ride my bike, and then I'd sneak into the mausoleum and wander around until somebody who worked there was like, um, what are you doing in here, kid? I'm like, uh, just spooky. Well, that's not what this is for. You can leave now. Um, but I would always come back. Uh, it was, uh, there's, there's, I don't know. There was something about places like that where the walls literally have tombs in them that, I don't know, maybe it's just because you know what you where you're at, but... Yeah, maybe, but I think you're probably right. I know a lot of people will talk about how uh, graveyards don't hold a lot of energy and stuff like that. I don't necessarily think dead people hang out where their bodies are located, but yeah. I think that, you know, if your energy is in many places at once, that might be one of the places. And and I think maybe there is just an eeriness to it, but I don't know. How many stories have you heard from funeral directors and stuff like that of stuff that goes on in funeral homes themselves that they just don't talk about. I'd say I'd have, I've had a handful over the years yep. uh, that or, or more so security from uh, funeral homes. I've, I've had quite a few of those uh, where they just kind of have to guard the place at night, which I mean, what you think of that's kind of just a weird thing, but there's a reason for it. Why, why those type of places sometimes have security because people go and take bodies and such, and there's access, I guess, a little easier before it's deep into the ground. But right. I had a story earlier today on uh, other podcast, True Crime Today, where uh, a man was arrested and sentenced for like six years for scattering like 24 body parts across like three states. Jesus. Human body parts. But it's not what you think, because he only got six and a half years. He owned a business that uh, was like a medical body part business for training uh, surgeons and, and you know medical students and things of that nature. Sure. Well, it shut down in 2020 and he was left with like these 24 body parts. There's like four heads, a bunch of limbs, arms, all of this stuff. And it's all on ice and, and all that. Uh, and he closes the place down. He doesn't have his, you know, big cryogenic freezers anymore. So he goes out to Sam's, gets himself a big old chest freezer for like venison, and he puts all the body parts in it. And then eventually he, he just wants to get rid of this thing. So he doesn't have a, a, a freezer of, of heads and stuff in his, his uh, garage. Cause that looks a little questionable when you send the kids out there to go get some ice pops in summer. Uh, <laughs> You know, a little scarring, but uh, he so he gets a U-Haul 
He takes the freezer and he just starts driving out to kind of weird rural places and dumping parts here and there, hoping that it's just, uh, you know, going to be found that uh, the animals eat it. And that's the end of the story. Uh, but uh, people started finding the parts like park rangers and things of that nature. And then they finally do some DNA testing, determine what these were. And it's like, okay, this is not uh, someone who has murdered anybody, but they can end up tracing some of these back to who purchased somebody's parts. And then they find him and he's like, yeah, I did it. I'll take whatever penalty you want to give me. I was wrong. I just didn't know what to do. Well, here's my question. And and this may seem a little uh, distasteful, but what's the big deal? Like these bodies were, were sold off or, or given or donated for science. They weren't used. What's the big deal? Well, I mean, they're going to decompose anyway. I would think there'd be something within the medical community that you you could reach out to and say, hey, I got all these parts. They were for this. What should I do with them? Um, because I don't want I, I don't want them anymore. I don't need them anymore. They're not going to be used for that. Uh, rather than just, you know, driving out to the boonies and dumping them uh, in random spots. But, but this, yeah, this, you're right. But. But let's be honest, Tony, the second way sounds a lot more fun. It does. I, I, I would say, you know, I, I would donate him to the Body Ranch. Have you heard of that? Where, yes. Yeah. Where they yep. do like a lot of like CSI training. And it's literally um, like this big plot of land and they put real bodies out there. And it's to train the people and the dogs and all that how to find these sort of things in real Crime scene investigation. And they and they test them like this one's in the sun, so how does that decompose? This one's in the shade and has moisture. How does that decompose? Yeah. Like they do all that stuff. I, I I yeah, I saw a special on that and it just I loved it, to be honest. And then they have a little uh game they like to play, a drinking game later in the day where they take a finger from uh three different bodies. Some are decomposing for five years, some have been decomposing for five days, and some have been decomposing for five months, and you just have to blindfoldedly sniff the finger mm. and and if you guess uh wrong on how old it is you have to do a shot and that's how they uh they spend their evenings uh at the body ranch <sighs> that poor guy that was dumping off heads and arms and stuff like that got in trouble and you're sitting here scot-free because you don't actually follow through with the weird <laughs> stuff you say <laughs> could you imagine what about this what if it, instead of like getting real like uh like i'm gonna go in the middle of the woods just start chucking it out the window on the on the highway <laughs> Fucking head like bounces off like somebody's window and like what was that? <laughs> <laughs> Causing act that would probably cause a lot of accidents. Yeah, if, if that a, would be the bad side to it. If a head came right at you, that would be freaky. Uh, it, not too long ago, my girlfriend was on the highway and you know, like a, a workman's truck. Uh, the ladder came off of the top of it, uh, went flying underneath. She veered off to the side, didn't get hit. Um, but, you know, was waiting for, you know, what is about to happen here. Uh, a, a semi runs over the ladder, literally flattens the ladder. And then other cars actually are able to um, get you know, away without any sort of damage. No crash. The ladder is literally flattened. So some other people did hit it, but it didn't do much because it was so flat. Um, and it was just the weirdest thing. Then not too long ago, she was talking uh, with somebody that she had not even known at the time of when this happened. 
And this other person happened to be on the same highway at the same time was one of the other cars right over in that area that also experienced it as well. And they kind of exchanged stories of their perspective of what they saw. And it kind of like put the, the story in full circle. It was really weird. But That's scary. When, when I see people driving around, you always worry what could happen on the highway. Mm-hmm. I actually was driving once and there was a truck in front of me that had like um, some trees and stuff that they had pulled out and they were on a flatbed behind the truck. And I'm like, that thing, you know, if that flew out, it'd go right under my truck. And sure as shit, if one of the trees didn't fly off and go get stuck under my truck. Oh, gosh. It was like a like a pine tree, a small one. It had the roots and stuff on it, but literally went up under my truck and I had to pull over and try and pull this tree out from underneath (laughs) my truck. Did you get it out? Eventually, yeah. But as I'm driving down the road, you know, there's sparks and stuff flying from this this dying tree that's, you know, that's, running across the pavement and stuff. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That's almost kind of like Chevy Chase. It sounds like something right? from like <laughs> one of the vacation like. That's what I felt like. <laughs> that's great. Nothing to see here, kids. Nothing at all. Just a couple sparks. A couple <laughs> sparks. That's all. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. To share your real ghost stories with us. We'd love to hear them. Let's do one more uh, quick one right here. Was that you? It was. I'm sorry. I okay. actually potted something up that I shouldn't have potted up. I didn't know if it was something I was playing on my end. So I'm like, what did I press? Because <laughs> it happens quite often. Hi, let's hear your ghost story. Hey, Tony. Just want to let you know. Start off. I uh, love the show. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, I... Uh, live in upstate New York and um, moved to the apartment that we're living in right now. We're actually um, about to move out. Um, so we moved in August of uh, 2020. Yeah. So um, it was uh, around the height of the pandemic and um, we moved in here in August. So um I sleep on the couch, so I, I, I sleep on the couch. I don't really like sleeping on a bed, in a bed. Um, I don't know, it's just something about having my back laying on something. So uh, I start hearing, like, within the first month to, like, I start hearing footsteps, and the place I'm living in right now, it's 110 years old, so the floors are very creaky, and they're wood. There's no carpet. And uh, just kept hearing footsteps, popped my head up, like, within seconds of hearing them, and there'd be nobody there. I'm a very light sleeper. So um, I remember this because, so vaguely, because the Christmas tree was up in the dining room, and it illuminate, like, the bathroom down the hall and a little bit of the hallway. So I know it was either a Monday, a Thursday, or a Friday because my girlfriend goes to work at 2.30 in the morning on those days, and she was not here. So I don't know what it was, but I've never done this in my life, and I'm 45 years old. I sat completely up, and the way the sectional is positioned is you can see practically down the hall into the kitchen, but you can definitely see the doorway of the bathroom. I sat completely up, and I saw a lady, what we call in paranormal, well, what paranormal investigators call the lady in white, walk into my bathroom completely 
solid. She wasn't see-through, nothing. I could not, I don't remember seeing any hands. I don't, I didn't hear any footsteps. And a lady in white just walked into my bathroom. I looked at the time and I sleep with the TV on. So Friends was on. It was 4.30 in the morning. And I literally laid there staring at the doorway of the bathroom until I fell asleep, which was probably about two hours later after it happened. Um, yeah, so uh, that's my story. And um, hope you use it. And if you don't, love the show. And uh, I'm going to keep on listening, man. I think I would probably do about the same thing if that happened to me. I would, uh, first of all, have to grab new pants or something. because Now, this is, this is one of the first times I've ever heard a story about a lady in white who was like actually there, not see-through, not misty. Mm -hmm. This is like one of the first times I've actually heard somebody say it, it was like an actual person. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's something new to me. The other thing is um, poor guy sitting home alone at four o'clock in the morning, watching friends. You know, that's a sad, <laughs> that's a sad story. <laughs> that's me. A lot of the time, quite honestly, is it? Well, is it? if I can't sleep, I'll, it'll be Frazier that'll turn on. And uh, yeah, if I need to have something to, I'm not really watching. It's more just I need something to make the wheels of my mind move away from whatever uh, it's spinning on. Because sometimes I yeah. get just weird dreams and I'm stuck in them forever. And uh, it's like, okay, I got to get out of this because this is weird. Um, and then I'll turn something like that on. And then it'll just end up incorporating whatever is on that TV show into the weird dream so it'll be sitting there and I'll have a nightmare that I can't get the CDs to play at the radio station. But then suddenly Frazier will be across from me yelling at me. I was uh, just going to say Kelsey Grammer yeah. shows up and yeah. invites you to take a ride in his Lamborghini and get into an accident or something. Exactly. It's just, it all plays into it. It's like, why did I go to the Lamborghini? I, I didn't have a long enough song ready. Uh, clearly a three minute, 50 second song is not going to be enough for the ride. I got to go back to the, so it, yeah, it gets, that's how it all ends up going. Um, I have so many weird ones. And it usually involves being at a radio station, going to a station, losing a job, getting a job, um, something of those natures of all. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I had the dream the other night, and it's the dream I always talk about where you can't, you know, you don't know the equipment or whatever. Yeah. And you're just kind of making your way through it. Usually it's one specific radio station that I dream about. Mm -hmm. And, um, but this one was one I'd never worked at before. And it was an automation system and not CDs. And it was, it was a mess. But yeah, I had one like maybe two nights ago. That damn thing came through my mind. Oh, yeah. I get them at least once a week. And it, it's, it's, it, there's weird variations of it too. Sometimes it'll be like going back to one I worked at and really want to like, go back and do it again because it was fun, but it paid nothing. Um, and like, I don't know, but it was, uh, I keep dreaming I'm back in Michigan a lot. And I don't know. It's, I, I never want to, I, I, great place to visit in summer, but there's no way in hell I could do the winters. And it's usually like me trying to bargain with myself. Like, well, the winters aren't so bad, this or that, but my whole life is different too. Like my daughter doesn't exist. So it's not even like a consideration um, it's like, I don't know. It's like, I'm in a totally different mindset than who I am, but I'm me. Mm -hmm. It's weird what your brain can block out and, and make that happen in a dream. Uh, all right. That's going to wrap up today's episode of real ghost stories online. If you like the show, keep us on the air, become an extra podcast person, sign up at ghostpodcast.com uh, or patreon.com or directly through Apple podcasts on our channel and try it for three days free. 
Get access to all the bonus episodes, new ones every week. The archive of episodes, as well as the advanced episodes, everything ad-free for you right there. When you sign up, your Apple Podcasts or ghostpodcast.com. Until next time, for all of us at Real Ghost Stories Online, I'm Tony Bruschi. Thanks for listening.